Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane here. I hope your week has been going fantastic. This week I had the one and only Dr. Ozzy join me with a numerous amount of releases on Never Say Die, Stratos Union, MA Music. This man has not only taken the 2020 year by storm, but he has so much planned for the near future that I am so excited we got to sit down and talk about today on the podcast. Nix, thank you so much for joining me. Please do not forget to check out my newly launched Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane for the opportunity to hear these podcasts before anyone else, ad-free exclusive, bloopers, and much, much more. Check out the Patreon, check out the past guests, and I will see you next week. Without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane, and you're tuning in to the XO Podcast. What is up, guys? Today we have Nick's with us, also known as the king of bass, Dr. Ozzy. Look at that. Look at that expression right there. Hey, how are you doing today? King of bass? King. One of the kings. I would say you share the crown. Really? Mm-hmm. I think really? I might be... I, I, I'll go with prince. I don't mind prince? being a prince. I don't think I'm a king. Oh, my God. That's a huge I, crown I would, to wear. I would speak to others who think differently. But oh. But but I greatly appreciate you coming on today to speak with me on the podcast. It's I'm uh, down. I, I was told about it, and I was just I, I've seen other uh, podcasts you have done, and I've got a glimpse of them every now and then. I was like, I I wouldn't mind being on it. It's, yeah, it fun. I appreciate it. I know I was talking to Michael, and I was like, Doctor Ozzy's a goal. I was like, when we can get Doctor Ozzy, that would be really <laughs> sick. And he's like, all right, all right, let's do some episodes. We'll make it happen. But I'm really glad you're here. It's nice for you to come on too, because I feel like we're like seeing this glimpse at the end of a tunnel. However, you're in Canada, so you may be in a different kind of glimpse of light than we are here in the States. Like, <laughs> what is it uh, looking like right now? I know you guys just went back into lockdown in certain areas. Oh, you heard about that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we we got this color scheme going on for some reason. It's like red, green, yellow, and now there's gray, and then there's fucking emergency break, which is the shutdown. So... Oh, boy. We got this bullshit. Um, wait, I can swear. Oh, yeah. Oh, go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got this uh, bullshit um, four months. Like, we, we keep going back and forth, honestly. We're just going yeah. into lockdown and then we're going, we're letting businesses open and then we go back into it. So it's kind of like, it's uh. it's like that love-hate relationship with a, with, with a girlfriend where you're just like, I don't know if I want to date you, but well, let's just be friends. Actually, never mind. Let's go hang out and then go watch a movie. And then like, you know, it's weird relationship with the citizens and the government. So it's just like oh. kind of odd. Everyone's getting their emotions played with once they're making money and then they're not. And then it's, it's just all over the place. It, it seems to be all over the place because I talked to um, Jaqui, who was who's from Canada. And then I talked to Steph, who runs a management company and she's in Canada as well. And the last time I talked to her was like two months ago. And she was like, yeah, things are closed, but like museums are open. And we're like almost going to open gyms and all of that stuff. And I was like, holy shit. And then you're like in the, in the States and you just see everything starting to open. I was I was playing uh, Warzone with my buddies and we were just talking about this recently. And the government allowed, the, uh, well, the province itself allowed, uh, no, well, they didn't allow any salons, any uh, any personal care salons like nails or hair or anything like that. They closed, they shut down all of them. But Ikea is allowed 25% of like retail people in there. And so are like, so is Costco. So we're just, we were just talking about it. And then I was just like, I stopped the game and then I went in and looked at the stats. And one of the owners of a nail salon said that during the pandemic, they've had over 283,000 people show up into their business and zero cases in their oh business. Oh my gosh. And then most active cases have been in either warehouses or big box retailers. Yeah, absolutely. Like places like uh, Amazon warehouses and all of that stuff are the prime example. And it's like, mm. we have this discussion too. And it's, I had um, an attending emergency physician on who works in the ICU like two months ago. And he's like, I can tell you one thing that the mask fucking works. 
And if mm. people can follow the rules and wear their masks and go about their daily lives, it's going to mm. be safer than telling people to conjugate in homes, in gr- small groups of people where you're yeah. going over and you're seeing friends and you find this like sense of safetyness in your, mm. or like a safety net within your friends and family where you're like, oh, like you don't have it. So you're fine, but you have no idea where they've been the week prior to going to yeah. the week after. And it's like, that's why it's like I look at states like California and it's just created this downhill slide because people are still going to do what they want to do. But when everything's closed, they're just going to go to people's houses and they're going to do it yeah. in private instead. Mm-hmm. You know? No, people will find uh, we we are by nature a, a group of like uh, like people that like to hang out in groups, even though there's a lot of people out there who consider themselves. And I, I, I consider myself introvert. So mm-hmm. like when I when I think about it, introvert like I, I i am totally happy <laughs> with sitting on this chair for yeah. fucking 24 hours i'll sleep in it if i have to but there are people who want to ha- hang out in packs and they yes. want to experience social like experience interact. with like, other friends yeah interact and everything but you can't stop that you can't it, it's hard to do even though there's a pandemic and you have to kind of drill in your head being like don't go out and don't like you know, stay the six feet away. But at the same time, not a lot of people are going to follow it. Absolutely. And it's just like, I just hope, even though like the vaccine, I think was our saving grace. And I've talked to people in Canada, as well as people in like Australia, like Sippy. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we've kind of followed the rules. And I feel like Canadians, even though your emotions are being fucked with, you guys did listen to and follow the rules. When they told you to stay inside, you guys pretty much stayed inside. There wasn't this huge like force of rebuttal that you saw in states like Florida or Texas. Yeah, yeah. Places that just never closed to begin with. And, but now it's like, there's not necessarily a shortage, but it's like everybody's waiting to get the vaccine. Where in Florida, they just bought every fucking vaccine and they're uh, like, get them out, get them out, get them out. And and it's it's just, it's really interesting to see two countries on the same continent kind of just so differently handling it. Yeah. Say. I don't know. It's going to be, um, it's going to be definitely interesting, but it's nice to see things starting to go back to normal and hopefully that will translate over into Canada. Yeah, I'm and- hoping, I'm hoping by the time, by July, hopefully within this, uh, like the, the summer time frame, we have yeah. everyone vaccinated. I'm hoping like crossing my fingers, but mostly the seniors get vaccinated. And then like, if, if, if so be, hopefully people under 50 are starting to get vaccinated by July. It's yes. like, cause like if, if I feel like, cause I have, uh, I have one of my buddy, who just uh, got the vid and then, and then he, <laughs> yo man, and, then, and he, he's, he's fine. Cause like, he was like, it's not, he's like, it's, it's horrible, but it's not like threatening to me right now. He's yeah. like, he's like, it, it's, it's a flu for me because I'm 22 and it, I, I can't smell or taste, but like mm-hmm. I can deal with it. But he's just like, I can totally see the struggles in seniors from it. Like, oh yeah. I so mean- he, he 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 totally relates to them, but uh, that's that's what I'm hoping by by the end of like month of July. Hopefully, uh, everyone above fifty is like at least taken care of with vaccines. I feel like that's definitely like a realistic trajectory, and I mean, your friend's absolutely correct because mm-hmm. most people, me living in Florida here, have gotten COVID. It's just how it how it went down. Most people my age have have contracted COVID and it mm. was a mild cold, mild flu, X, Y, and Z. But it's not necessarily about us. It's about our parents. Yeah. It's about our grandparents. And that's why wearing the mask and getting the vaccine is so important. Like starting Monday, I am able to get the va- vaccine. So I'm- Oh, that's I'm awesome. Able, yeah, which is wonderful. And, and that's just really a step because I think it's the sooner that you can get the people our age who don't necessarily- you know, they're not going to hinder their lifestyle now because of COVID. As soon as they can get it, they stop putting people who are elderly at risk, which is the point. And I think California said is if everything goes as normal, June 15th, everything will be open. And I look at California as like the last place to open just because of how (laughs) they've handled the whole thing. So I feel like if they can do it in June, you guys can do it in July. Like hopefully, have to be, I don't know. But I mean, right, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, like our vaccines are like very limited in Canada. Unfortunately, I'm pretty yeah. sure like Steph and Jacqui probably were on the same page because like we're kind of it's not running short. It's just that we we ended up uh, rushing the first 
uh, first vaccine. And then now we need the boosters. We didn't have those. Oh, no. So, so the boosters are the ones that are taking a very long time. Um, that's what the seniors are depending on and still um, are depending on. But hopefully by, like, that's what I mean. By July, we'll have the boosters and the, the first vaccine and everything should be okay by then. The, the other thing is too, is like, like, like a, a year ago, um, 2020, I, I was literally like I, just sitting and like streaming and all that stuff. And then the, the moment I, I, I think it was halfway through the year where I finally thought, and I was just like, when is this fucking thing going to end? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, it, yeah. and then I also thought in, in my head being like, it's going to end soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't last that long, but it was like it, a ticking time bomb. And it's like, for someone like you that I feel like a lot of us were kind of in the same boat when everything in March started to happen. It was mm-hmm. like the wheels in our heads were turning. It's like, okay, we get, we get time to work on endless amounts of music, ex- like experiment. Nobody's traveling. We get to stream more, do different things to make income. Like it was new and exciting. And then by the time, like, midsummer hit because we were told, okay, two weeks lockdown. We'll be back in two weeks, everyone. Da, da, da. Wow. And then the month went by and then two months, months went by. And then like midsummer of last year, I feel like everyone was like, holy shit. Like we're literally in a pandemic and everything is closed and everyone in our industry's lives have changed. Yeah. I think, I think the first two months I definitely thought I was just like, it's not going to lie. This it's, it's going to be like a very small like thing that doesn't really require the North America to be in a lockdown. I thought it was going to like, I, I thought it was going to be like a Ebola where yeah. there was the scare and you got the vaccines for them. And then you, you're and like, you got the uh, questions asked that like, did you, did you like get it or anything? But um, was, everything was still running. But yeah, it was a wake up call after the two months, I got slapped hard in the face by my career where I was just like, uh, like I can't only depend on touring because yeah. it's, it's literally, it literally got taken away. The unfortunate part is that like, um, as a business, uh, when it comes to a local business, you're kind of like hardly like you're, you're supported by a government a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like, I, I don't know. I mean, there could be other ways as well, but I feel like musicians are always like in this situation, especially are kept to the side because it's an industry that is like, that is, that is, uh, thrived on, uh, large gatherings. Yes. So it, it kind of sucks. Cause like, I wish they had a little bit more of a plan for musicians, but not really. The music industry is like literally struggling. There's so many clubs in Toronto by itself have uh, been closed down uh, during this two years. It sucks. <laughs> and and like, they're not going to come back either, which is the sad thing. Yeah. And, and you look here and it's like you, I just look at our industry, like the entertainment industry on a whole, like not just music, not just, you know, mm-hmm. acting film X, Y, and Z. Like we were the first ones to be affected and we're going to be the last ones out of it. And that's just how the game is played. But the way that I look at it too, is like, you look at all of these different, industries of work and different fields of work and they all have these unions and we Mm. don't have a union we don't have like this like i mean i guess like maybe the musicians recording arts union but it's very their niche unions or like sag Mm. union stuff like that where like you have this protection but it's not on like a a a, like a government recognized level where they would actually help us because i remember when we first started getting into this i we would all get sent things like oh hey here's this grant but they only have this much money and here's this grant but you got to have these qualifications Mm -hmm. but the grants were only like we've got thirty thousand dollars and when it's gone it's gone we've got this and when it's gone it's gone and it's just sad because you look at all of these places like the small venues the mm-hmm. the like the comedy stores the small theaters i look at places like broadway and it's like mm-hmm. you know unless you're a huge company like live nation aeg yeah. those guys like you by chance don't even know what you have to do to access like the save our stages money and you don't mm-hmm. have a lawyer team to get your hands on that money that it's actually going to save you and save your venue. It just kind of all gets like flowed into the corporate America of our music industry. (laughs) And it's like, and that's the shitty part, you know? So I don't know. It's just, um, it's, it's, it's really, really sad to think about it too, because I feel like 
for people in my position, when you're like an up and coming artist, mm. those are the kind of venues that like take chances on you sometimes, you know, yeah. like the I mean, smaller ones. The, the, the weird part is too, like, cause like I, I'm, I'm, I myself, I'm not like too keen to play festivals all the time. Like I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not a huge, like, I mean, yeah, it's a great experience. You get to play and meet and network with a lot of people. But like, I, I am so much more happier when I am playing an underground bar. Um, but those are the places that are being shut down right now. So I can't yeah. even like get that satisfaction. This is where like, oh, well, this is where the, this is where I feel happy now where I'm, uh, because of this whole situation, I've finally like started to like stream regularly every week. So like that, that means a lot more to me now just because I don't have that fan interaction. So I kind of get that from stream. Yeah. But as an up and coming artist, yeah, I guess it must be really tough. I mean, it's kind of just like, it's not necessarily like tough. It's just sad to see like the places that you were getting shopped out to before places that you would see. Like I use like Skyway theater in Minneapolis as a great example. And like, they're okay, thankfully, but it's like people who just like have relationships and like, with like these either boutique agencies or like uh-huh. X, Y, and Z. And they bring in all of these newcomers because they trust those agents. And it's like, I feel like a lot of those places, even in Florida, places that never really stopped making money, we've seen venues close. And yeah. we've seen like restaurants close and that stuff. And it's just like really shitty. But like, so why don't, I would love to know like the reason why, like why do you not like festivals? Because as like, <laughs> I'm a person where I'm like, Oh my God. And I think this is just probably like me being an impatient new artist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, Oh my God, get me on the festival lineups. Get me here. Get me there. Like, well, so- okay. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not so much the festival. Like yeah. it's not like it, if like, I don't know, I've played, played enough festivals and they have sure. been, they have been fun. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt. Like they, they, they do. I, I don't know. Like it, it's something, it's something about it. I, I think mostly, I think I get to see my peers, I guess, like that's, that's the best part that I can look at. And Mm -hmm. every now and then I would, I would like see a fan that I can talk to and stuff, but it's, it's just, I don't know. Like I've just, it's not a bad experience, but I just know what, like, I don't know how to explain (laughs) it. Like, I feel like it's over, not like overwhelming sometimes, but I feel like our community is so small once you get to this like like level or like upper echelon level where it's like you're seeing the same people all the time. And I feel like it's just a lot sometimes, but I can Here. also, I don't know. I don't know. This, this is, okay. So when I, when I go play an underground bass show at a bar or a club mm-hmm. um, capacity, like 1,500 to 2,000, right? Yeah. And then... When I go there and my my name is set as the headliner and people are there to see me and know my music and know me, I feel a lot more complacent because like I can actually interact with these people who actually came there to listen to me and care about my music. When I go to a festival, <laughs> it's it's a whole different situation. Like I'm I'm not talking like shit about the festivals. I just think that the the, the envir- environment is like a little bit different because I, I it could be a like some festivals could be a major dick measuring contest within the artists and some festivals people have no clue who you are and you're just playing a set, you know? Yeah. It, it's I feel I I find more value to to people who want to pay the ticket to an artist rather than a festival. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, that's like an amazing point. And like, I I totally understand that. And I think it's just probably because, you know, you've got that like new artist bug and you're still building your discography. Definitely. It it should definitely be a checkmark on your list. It'd be like, I got to do this. It has to be in my resume. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, but you're absolutely correct. And I, and I also feel like the energy, not only when you have fans who are, you know, recognize your music came to see you, uh, mm-hmm. specifically is totally different than a crapshoot of you being on a base stage at 6 p.m. and maybe a fourth of the crowd really loves your shit and a fourth of the crowd really hates dubstep, but their girlfriend dragged them there. So <laughs> they're just like chilling, looking at you like you're like a crazy alien person. I, I just, I just like, I just think about it in the back of my head. I'm just like, man, somewhere over there, some girl or guys 
wondering who is this guy again? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll, <laughs> and so then I'll be like, and I and then I have to be like, just look at the look at the visuals. It's just right there. My logo's right there. Please just care about me. <laughs> that's the care. only that Please that's care. the part that like it doesn't hurt or anything. Like I'm not like sad about it, but I know like in the back of my head, I'm just like someone is wondering who is this guy. <laughs> I feel like it'll always be like that at festivals, though. You yeah. Know? Like, unless the, the, you're like the, Skrillex. The very good thing about festivals is the exposure. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's a really um, good thing about like festivals because like you you get exposed to more more than like maybe new uh, listeners as well, mm-hmm. and like a lot a lot of people get to see you live and see how your set goes and enjoy it, and then we'll probably remember you for a while. Um, that's the only thing that I can think of that can like provide me. Other than that, I don't know. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. The exposure is definitely like, I feel like if, if you kind of gauge it, it sometimes is worth it. Sometimes is not. And, mm-hmm. and, but yeah. And, and, and it's something that like I discuss with my agents all the time too, is like the, the small club headliner shows are like, what's important to building like your data and your fan base and like all of those things to get you on the festivals at the right time where it's actually worth your while. Not yeah. just, hey, you're going to open this stage and we're just throwing you on there because we wanted this bigger artist and mm-hmm. just go ahead and do your thing and nobody knows you. The the cool thing about playing any of those shows is the fact that it, it, it actually, like we, we looked at the statistics, um, it, inc- it increases your streaming. Yeah. By a lot because yeah. people, the moment you announce a flyer with your name and and uh, co-headliner and support, everyone who is going to that show is clicking the SoundCloud link and Spotify link in order mm-hmm. to find out what their music is like. And that that is the worst part about about this pandemic as well is that like because there's no show, the streaming value has gone down too because like people are not really like getting exposed to a new crowd. And the new crowd can't really find out who this person is. So they just have to rely on social media to like find out someone. Let alone like, I don't know too many people that are just chilling in their living room listening to like rhythm or like mm. listening listening to like heavy dubstep. Like I find like the lo-fi or like alternative or like indie music is probably being way more streamed than, you know, music that's really meant to be played in a club. Cause that's like what our like niche sub industry field functions on is the Mm -hmm. live entertainment experience exactly well i mean there i think fox stevenson was uh was explaining this in his uh twitch a while ago and he was saying that like you either make music for touring or you make music for people to listen to Mm -hmm. like the moment people make singles and and put singles out they want to tour with it and then there's people who want to make music for people to just constantly get streaming revenue which is yeah. like both are equally fine but when you combine both of them you get a good better result but yeah i don't know it's 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 kind of weird how the 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 analytics uh, graph is just like odd since like since March 2020 and it it just goes down. (laughs) Absolutely. And I mean, do you, like, are you someone who, like, with as seasoned as you are, take those things in consideration? Like, do you say, okay, like, when I'm writing this, I'm doing this because I really want to push this, like, experimental facet and I want this to be more of a listenability, revisitable song? Or, hey, this is a fucking club banger. This is supposed to be played out in the clubs to a mosh pit. I mean, I've done it. I've done, I've done both. Right. Okay. And I've had more results with obvious bangers and because DJs would like put that in their set and because mm-hmm. it, it would get the largest um, wow factor. But um, recently, like my mind has changed more to uh, creating musical aspects of my genre. Like, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I li- I've been listening to rhythm and dubstep recently and I, I'm just not happy the way it's going. So I just want to change it in like a musical form a little bit more rather yeah. than good old one note Norman throughout the three minute track. Um, But I finally like understood what I need to do. And I think it all started from like building a concept behind first the, the, the music and the brand. And then once I got that, I was just like, I should probably try more musical notes and give it more of a listenable idea. But like before 
I wasn't like that. I, I think I was huge because like I was getting pushed by management and labeled to make bangers only. So I was just like, I don't know, like after a few years later, like now, especially I, I am way more uh, musically inclined to have listeners listen to the entire track rather than, you know, skip to the drop and last and drop. Versatile. And versatile. I, I just mm. feel like, especially in this time, you're correct when you say, yeah, can we stop making the atonal dubstep? You don't have mm. to go like total, like color based, melodic rhythm, but, but to see the fluctuation, especially because it's like, we've had all this time to experiment. And I really think like your track motion with Trinergy and Chime is like a perfect example of some of the music that's really like come out of this quarantine facet. I think of artists like Asora, I think of Halicon label, the label, Ula Siles label. And it's mm. like, those are very like, I feel like pushing boundaries, electronic music that mm. we may not have seen if we didn't go into quarantine. And, and I feel like there's a lot of artists like Nushi and Automate and all of that stuff that are put on the forefront now because we had people who were interested in listening to something other than atonal dubstep because nobody's in a venue or a club. But Mm -hmm. it still hasn't made a drastic enough change to Mm -hmm. where the big headliners are making other shit. So I wonder if that will ever come. I I think it will. Um, The thing is that, like, I always always talk about this on stream as well. Like, every time I hear atonal one-note Norman uh, throughout the whole thing, I always tell people, I'm just like, man, imagine listening to a piano note, like, for three minutes, just one piano note. Just like a D sharp, just like for three minutes and, and fucking 45 seconds. And then I, I actually did that test. I, I literally pressed one note over and over again, quarter notes, just like throughout. And everyone was annoyed, but I was just like, that's exactly how I feel when I listen to a, a tonal one. That's what you just did on a piano roll. That's literally exactly. what you did. So I, I like it. All it takes is adding one or two notes to make it catchy and Mm -hmm. people forget that they just want to go for the hardest tear out like like even fucking like if we're thinking about Murata as well like he he himself is also like adding more notes because he wants to make it uh, catchy and memorable but like once it gets one note thing I just I honestly start losing interest in music it sounds interchangeable it sounds exactly like the next song that somebody might put out or Mm. or X, Y, and Z and then you can't tell necessarily not only who the artist is but what the song even is like i look at i look at a lot of the compilations that have been released in the last year and you either get like a total like eclectic very well put together compilation or you're shuffling through song after song and 20 of them sound exactly the same and you're like holy shit so i mean what would you like where was the line that you crossed when you were like this is going to be my sound. And I mean, you've definitely evolved as an artist. I think that's something that people and up and coming artists shouldn't be afraid to do. But but what inspired you to be like, okay, like we're not going to do that. We're going to do our own thing and just keep pressing and keep pressing until we get recognition. I, I think it's the it's the YouTube comments. <laughs> Yo. I literally tweeted the other day. I was like, Friendly reminder: Don't read your SoundCloud or YouTube comments. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I fucking do it. I, I, I'm, I literally, I'm so stupid. But I mean, at the same time, it's not it's stupid because, like, I think everyone should read the comments, and I, I think it, it helps you kind of like, because, like, okay, like when I was young, um, like eighteen, yeah, and I, I didn't have a job, uh, but I was, I was pursuing making music on the on computer and. My mom uh, herself was a signed artist, but she she quit. Uh, she retired from singing, oh, wow. and then um, she she told me because like she was she she was I would say well known and borderline famous in India, mm-hmm. but we moved to Canada and then she instantly retired because she's like I, I don't want to tour anymore and blah blah blah. Um, but she didn't see an outcome and support from Canada for music, so she always told me she was like, "This is not a good career." You should either become a lawyer or uh, some other profession, like a doctor. <laughs> and then, and then we we kept on going in this like huge arguments and fights almost, where I I, I just wanted to constantly prove her that this is a good choice and this is a career that I want to choose. 
And I, I, every time I see those comments on YouTube and SoundClouds, I kind of just go like, hey, that's my mom right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And then and then I all I all I do is like I, I convert that into like, I'm just going to prove this person wrong, whoever yeah. this is. And I just want to constantly try that with every comment that is either negative or not. Or like, you know, that like sometimes even like a small comment like. Uh, that snare was not like, uh, wish that snare was a little bit more punchier. And then I'll be like, all right, next song. Don't worry. <laughs> I got you. I got we'll, you. We'll worry about that. But like, there's other people who would just look at the comment and be like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm going to quit, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I take it as like, not a constructive criticism, but I take it as like, like for me to evolve as like, I guess it's constructive criticism, but some people are just brutal about it. So I just kind of like laugh about it. Some people are assholes about it, but I, I definitely think there's like a way to sandwich things like, hey, mm. this is great. This could be a hell of a lot better, but this is mm. great too. So, but, and I also think that's like, that's a great method for like not only improving, but like trying out new stuff. It's like yeah. you may have never tried a different snare or tried a different technique to sit it mm. well in the mix if you hadn't gotten that left-handed comment. But it's all like, it's all opinion, like biased based where you kind of said somebody may be obsessed and say, I'm quitting. And then another person may say, Hey, this just didn't do it for me. And, and I think that's just what art is. And that's why we release art to be on that pedestal. It's just, I feel like we're in this time, like not only in our scene and music, but just in general, where you either have a person who is like saying, you know, it's your art you like it or it's my art, you know, it doesn't matter what people say because I'm happy with it and I'm not going to change anything. And then you have other people where it's like, oh, well, like you're trashing on his art. You know, you couldn't do what he's doing. And I feel like we should get out of that mindset because I feel like there's something to take from everybody's form of like critique or feedback. I think it's a, it's a huge lesson to be taught to artists, especially because like sometimes some artists are like very vocal about it. Mm -hmm. And they are. I think it's a, it's not a disappointment, but I think it's worrisome because like, I mean, like, think about it this way. If you ever went to a art gallery and then you have two people standing in front of a piece of art and one person's like, I don't like this art. And then the other person's like, I like this art. What are you talking about? And they get in a like weird argument about what the art is. But then you have the, the fucking art designer, whoever it is, or the painter and he's sitting in the back and just like having this conversation, he's listening to it. All he's getting is just like, I clearly did some sort of thing here and I'm proud of it. One person is going to buy it and one person's not. Mm-hmm. That's, and he's just in the shadows and that's all he can do. It's his art. He's proud of it. Let it be. If someone likes it, they will buy it. If someone doesn't, that's it. But to vocalize, if he got in that argument being like, hey, this is my art. If you don't like it, get out of here. Like that's, it's just, I think it's a little disappointment on that art guy because then he kind of like limited himself from having that discussion. You know what I mean? Well, and he lost that potential customer or buyer forever. Not, Mm -hmm. not, okay, well, you know, I just didn't like this one, but let's check out his next one and maybe I'll buy that one. And, and, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like having like an opened mind for conversation and like healthy debate. And like, just like listening. And, Mm. and I just feel like a lot of that has like gone out the window, but I also, when we went into lockdown, it's like, you're taking people, especially in our industry that Mm. thrive from a consumer standpoint by going to festivals and going to shows every weekend and you put them all inside their house. And it's like that type of person who isn't per se like you or I, where we can be an introvert for a long time before we're like, all right, man, we got to do something. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel like you just have a sense of almost like inner implosion when you're yeah. not able to do these things that you were so consistently doing since you've been 18 years old, you know? Yeah. And and then I feel like that kind of feeds into the negativity facet that you see on social media now. That's finally, I, I think, getting better. I, th- I, th- I think it's definitely like, um, I just don't, I, I, I wish like artists had that mindset of being the quiet uh, artist and just ho- holding down their, their share of like, like work and then not talking about, like I've seen, like I've seen people just literally rip people apart just for commenting one thing as an artist. 
And I'm I I just can't believe like our like our tension spam as an artist right now, especially on Twitter. Oh my god, it's oh, it's Twitter. horrible. Yeah, but. I like I, I get those tweets every now and then too, where like someone is like trying. Like actually, I had a huge <laughs> this this guy called uh, his username was Dick underscore sometimes. Oh boy! And <laughs> he, he clearly he, he he was so annoyed by me, and we were having a huge argument on Instagram, and he was just going off just over what. Um. I, well, the song "Claim the Night" was happening, so we we took out all of our. Uh, images off Instagram and did a whole little marketing strategy. And then he was just like, just for one song, you did that. And I was just like, wait, what? Oh <laughs> and then he like, uh, people from Discord saw it and someone posted it in Discord that this was happening. And then everyone started like going after him and oh, he wow. just kept on going. So at, like in a situation like that, I would try to, um, I would try to Mediate. defend. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I was just like, I'm just going to fuel the fire. So I might as well just not talk to this person and then block him. Whatever I can do in order to like Get him maintain to it. Yeah. But there's people like, fuck. I've seen, I've seen Lee must die. Man, he, he oh, is, he's, he's the quickest and the wittiest person I know of. But like, I wish I had his mindset because like he knows how to shut someone up. But I don't have that quality in me. <laughs> I'm the same exact way. I'm like, dude, I wish I had balls like you, but I do not. <laughs> and like, and like, I just, he, I commend him for everything because he is unapologetically himself. And yeah. some people just aren't built like that. I'm not built like that. No. But, but he's like, man, you can throw whatever you want at me and I'm just going to go for it. And I love it. And, and there has to be people like that. And then there has to be people like yourself where it's like, I look at you as the epitome of like someone who you really have let, your music and like your growth in your journey speak for itself. It mm -hmm. hasn't been this whole kind of like, I, I feel like sometimes artists are so loud on like Twitter and, and, and other kind of platforms, not in the way of must die, but just in like following trends and doing X, yeah. Y, and Z because their brand is like the main focus point of their music. And we've yeah. seen, I mean, you've seen really, I feel like the whole brand artist is something that's kind of come out in our industry in the last decade, per se. I yeah, mean, I don't I, know if I, you would agree with that or not agree with that. Oh, 100%. I would say at the moment that Marshmallow was introduced, I think everyone started to consider branding in their music, yeah. 100%. Yeah, and, and you see these people, and it's like it's part of their brand to follow these trends and be mm -hmm. outspoken and do X, Y, and Z. And it's like to each their own, but then you have these incredibly talented producers. Like I look at you, I look at people like Chime. I look at everyone on Outer Loop, really, like Asora, <laughs> like Laws. And it's like they've really just kind of let their music speak for themselves. And I think that's why you all have such a dedicated fan base, which I think a lot of these bigger guys don't have sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's very like, I consider fans and followers two different categories. Yeah. And it's like, you can have 500K followers, but how many of those followers are going to buy a ticket to see your shows or, or donate on your streams or, or buy some merchandise? And it's like, you're someone who's built up your stream so much too. I mean, like, were you streaming before the pandemic? Before uh, I, start, I started about like, um, I would say, yeah, I would say two months before the pandemic. I and started, so why I was, did you start streaming? Um... I don't know. I, 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 it was something that I wanted to do for a bit, but I just didn't know what I was going to stream, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, cause Twitch and like, when I think of streaming, it's mostly like, I think I'd like back in the day, I was just like games, like that's what you fucking stream. But, yeah. um, I didn't think of like, uh, teaching and like educating people about music and the industry on stream. So it finally became like that. But, yeah, that was that was the ideal reason why I wanted to do it, and it was like it, honestly the main purpose was for me to like connect and talk to people more. Because like yeah. the moment I started it, um, I think I think I've met well not met but like uh, like talked to more friends and made more friends because of like streaming, and like I got to connect with people who haven't seen me live and talk to them like live. So it, it, 
it 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 served me that purpose because like as soon as like the pandemic started, it even became even more of a need and like for me to be to have like emotional stability to like talk to these people and actually like converse with them because that's all I need when I go to shows is like speak to these people, but I, I don't have that opportunity anymore. So that's that's another reason I wanted to do it. It definitely like fills that void. I was talking to DeAndre from Vandals and he like said the same thing. He's like, the Mm -hmm. reason why I stream is because like, not only do I get to connect with people, not in one city, but endless amounts of cities all at once, which is something that like, when certain artists said like, hey, I'm not streaming. This is stupid. X, Y, and Z. I'm like, dude, like it's just this huge, massive, like uh, kind of, relatable way for you to get exposed to this huge demographic of people. That, that's that mindset is so dumb. Like to just like, I'm not streaming. Yeah. I've seen, I've, I've heard people who have said that, like, who's going to watch me like five people. And that's it. I'm just like, is that how you're going to think when you go play shows? Like, yeah, cause right. then like you don't, you don't go to shows and be like, there's only five people playing. Uh, sorry, showing up. I'm not going to fucking play. That's not it. You're like, you made a fucking, you made you made like a promise to yourself and the stage when you are about to play as a performer mm-hmm. that like yeah. no matter what you and I are the same and we're going to work together. It's kind of the same way if you look at stream. If there's five people, you are dedicated to those five people. Who cares how many people there are? Like I never fucking looked at the viewer count whenever I'm streaming because I don't really care. I just want to talk to the people that are interested in me. And the same goes with shows. Like when there's five people, they're there for you. Like. Mm-hmm. That's it's like, it. hey, that's like five whole people in the world mm-hmm. that decided to take their time out of their 24 hours out of their day and spend it with you. And it's yeah. like, for the people saying that too, I have that same kind of perspective in my head where I'm like, is this your perspective that you have when you go to shows? Because yeah. everyone, everyone, I want to say probably like 98% of people start at like ground zero with any. Yeah. So it's like you have to build it and you have to do it consistently. And mm-hmm. like for some people, it may not work, but but to close your mind off to other ways of making an income besides standing on stage with CDJs, I think is just very like narrow-minded approach. Yeah. I, I, I Honestly, I'm, I'm not even looking at the income aspect of it by any means. I think yeah. like the same thing with YouTube. Like I fucking have uploaded enough videos that I could be getting the money from YouTube, but I haven't met the fucking hundred uh, $100 threshold for like, I don't know, like nine years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't really care about that. It's just the fact that I am, I am willing to show stuff until like one person comments or talks to me and says that this is sick. Like I actually did not think about something this way. And that, that gives me, um, a closure of like helping someone out in, in one way or another. Same thing with me- making music. When someone says like, you know, this, this, this sounded so good. I was listening to it while I was in the car and I just opened my windows and I was just feeling the air. And I was just like, that's enough for me. I don't really care. Like that's, that's how you were feeling at that moment. And it changed something about you at that moment. And that's all I care about. And like, that's, that's what I mean about streaming. Like once, once you do that, and you only have five people watching you, you're kind of doing that factor and you will feel better. But if you're thinking about the money aspect, it's just like, you're just going to put on a face and try to like, you know, please. And you're not being yourself. Yeah. Instead of just like genuinely like, hey, like I'm doing this because, you know, and I found something with like teaching and doing the tutorial videos and stuff. It's like you yourself, like realize how much you know about something and it makes you better at what you're doing when you have to take the time to explain the actual like facets behind a certain Mm -hmm. technique or behind a certain concept. And I think that's like super cool because you have like a pretty strong YouTube, Twitch, Discord community that you've built over the last year, I would say. Well, I I think this whole thing started, yeah, in the pandemic because I was Mm -hmm. just like, I also was having an anxiety attack where I was just like, fuck, like I don't have any other means of income. Like, <laughs> so I was just like, I got to find stuff to do. Um, Cause like, I, not only, not only like I got to make money, but I also have to pay people. Right. Yeah. So um, I was finding ways to keep everyone happy and um, I could, I could care less if I get paid $0. I just want to make sure everyone else that is working with me is getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I had to make sure that I had all these, uh, social media platforms that do um, monetize and give you money. So like 
I can I can sustain a business. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't like from a consumer standpoint, don't understand the teams that go behind just one artist and one mm-hmm. like, you know, even like me, it's like you have at least three people you're employing, but it's like you look at these large artists that were touring full time or even someone as yourself who's, tour- you know, your main source of income was touring and mm-hmm. that was taken away. You know, your managers, your agents, your potential publisher, your potential X, Y, and Z, everyone's lost their source of income because you are the income. And if yeah. you're not able to make that money, no one's making anything. Yeah, I feel bad for my agents right now, the Europe and North America, because like they're they're just crossed arms and they're just like can't do anything right now. Yeah. So um I'm happy right now for my manager. <laughs> Cause yeah. still still like I think there is a motivation right now and I hope like uh, he believes in the project still, but um I think it does. <laughs> I think yeah. I think Michael I does think, love me. I definitely think Michael loves you. To be okay, honest, dope. yeah, yeah. I want to say that he honestly really likes you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't think there's any worry there. But I didn't even think about this. But like, are you? You're not allowed across the border right now, are you? Um, we are, but okay. we have to. Okay, so this is a shitty situation. Oh boy. So if we are going for a business related, well, travel is, um, is, is, I don't know what the travel is, but for business related uh, traveling, you go and once you come back, you have to quarantine yourself in a hotel for three, bus- uh, three days. And then you have to quarantine yourself in the house for 14 days. But uh, the hotel is coming out of your pocket. And on top of that, there's an $800 Canadian uh, fee. What? Yeah, there's a penalty. <laughs> A penalty. Here's a penalty for you leaving the country. Yeah. To go and work and do Here, your business. Here's four hundred dollars for your flights. When you go there, make the money, come back and spend another four hundred dollars, come back with zero. So basically just don't go. Stay where yeah. you're at and uh we'll we'll break even, I guess. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a mess. Well, I would just hope, you know, with your trajectory that you were saying earlier, like by July, if if I feel like the first step is just getting all of 50 plus vaccinated because that yeah. is where, you know, COVID is mostly affecting people unless they have like a pre-existing health condition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's so shitty, man. That's, oh, I, I hate yeah. it. That's yeah. a, that's the weirdest rule that they have applied, but I get it because like most of the cases are coming from traveling as well. Like mm-hmm. that's the major one, but like the, uh, the, the ones that are getting, getting it within, um, Canada locally are the warehouses and, yeah. I don't I don't think anyone else right now is at risk. You but, guys have a low amount of case numbers, don't you? I mean, compared to America, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, compared but to it's people big, packing it's, out baseball stadiums. But like I mean, like we, we also have our, our population is like like really low too. So compared yeah. like it could be really high because our population is really small. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, like America obviously has a lot more pop, uh, a lot more people living there. So I can totally see what's, what their big number would be. Yeah. Like for example, India is one of the one, like the second one uh, that is the largest cases that they have. And, and that's, I can guess is because they're the second largest population in the fucking world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I can totally see like us freaking out just because we have a thousand in, in the province. <laughs> So do you all have, like, do you guys have family, friends, or friends that still live in India? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, we're the only, we're, we're Generation Zero in uh, Canada right now. Wow. That's so, huge. Yeah. It's just my parents, uh, me and my brother, and a dog and a cat. And, <laughs> and then the rest of, of the family, uh, we're so spread. Uh, there's a couple of people living, living in UK. There's a couple of people living in Australia. There's a couple of people... Uh, living in India and in America. So, wow, yeah. all over the place. I was just curious because, you know, obviously like the United States and there's this continent in general is like a main focus attention point for the rest of the world pretty much. Mm-hmm. But have you heard from like family members in India how this has been like handled over there? Yeah, um, I've, I've heard from, uh, my mom always talks to my aunt in India about how it's going. They, they're spreading out uh, vaccinate, uh, vaccinations like throughout the country. Um, 
I don't like honestly, I don't pay attention to India that often. More, yeah. more not as much as my parents, because obviously they're they are from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh I think I think they're doing okay, but not too good. I mean, I I, I lost my uncle through uh oh. from COVID, no, uh, which sorry. is it's it's but. okay. Uh you don't have to apologize. But um yeah, I think that was the only biggest thing that I heard because I was just like, because he was the thing about it too. He was he wasn't healthy anyways. Yeah. Um. He he was struggling with uh illness already. So I I think that just kind of like put another um uh, health risk on him. So it was really tough for him to survive. And I understood that instantly, and I felt like it was sad. But and then we were just like, I guess like. If if it was just a little bit healthier, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that stinks, and 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 I feel like that's why it's like such a a dangerous point. And it's like you look at people in like the United States too, and it's like there's so many people who are so like whether it's a pre existing condition or just like don't lead like a healthy lifestyle, and it's mm-hmm. like this was so dangerous for people like them. And mm-hmm. and that's why it's like so important just to like get the vaccine. I mean, out. I've had people just come up to me and be like, "Yeah, no, like it, it doesn't do shit all. Like you don't like it, you won't die from it. It's not like that big of a thing." And I'm just like, "No, like it's 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 pretty serious." I mean, numbers don't like lie. Like I just exactly. I, I don't like. I have kind of mixed opinions on the whole thing, but at the same time, it's like I'm not gonna argue with science, and I'm not gonna argue with actual data and facts. Yeah. Um, because it's just like those are there and then you form your opinion based on those things. But it's just like crazy to me to like hear people say like X, Y, and Z about the vaccine. And it's like, you don't understand that unless it's like for a religious reason, like you have to have vaccines to go to school. Like you have to have vaccines to go to college and all of this other stuff. Religious reasons. Yeah. So like, I guess you can uh, use a like religious kind of documentation or for religious beliefs you don't have to get certain vaccines wait um, yeah yes yeah which i was recently educated on and i thought that was like not true and then i like did some research into it and it's totally a thing so So, if you you went to the doctors and you were just and the doctor was like are you vaccinated for covid and then they have to say no because i'm religious well, I don't know if it's in the sense of that, but more so in the sense of like when we went to school as a kid, we would have to have like your vaccination papers for like yeah. regular things. And and per se, like if your parents said you were a certain religion or if you got papers from, you know, X, Y, and Z, you don't legally in the States have to get those vaccines to attend school. Oh, damn. Which is crazy, which is super, super wild. Um, what but, religion is this? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll have to link some stuff below. But but I thought that was like insane because it's just like looking at like the scientific facts that like yeah. there are vaccines. This isn't the first vaccine that's ever been invented in the history of time. There's hundreds yeah. of vaccines. So it's like for such a rebuttal point to come from like certain corners of our country um, mm-hmm. against getting the vaccine is just like baffling to me. What, like, what if what if like one day you're like working really hard and like, you know, you cut your arm on a rusty pipe. Like, do you not get the tetanus shot? <laughs> right. That, well, that, that's what I'm saying. And I'm just like, holy shit. But like I have friends who like we were just discussing the other day that hadn't gotten vaccines that like I got when I was in like middle school and they're just now getting them. So it's like somewhere in there, it's, it's either like an attention facet or whatever, but I thought that was super interesting. But I just feel like as soon as everybody can get the vaccine, keep wearing your mask until you get it and Mm -hmm. like wear it until there's like, until a certain percentage gets the vaccine, then we can like achieve herd immunity or whatever they're kind of saying. And once we get to that point, we're all set to go. So, yeah. you know, just hopefully we'll be there soon. Um, so how's like music been for you during this time? You've had hella releases, which is awesome. Uh, kind of. I, I, I mean, mean, like com- compared to compared to 2018, well, starting before the pandemic, pretty much like I, I've been very. Uh, the thing is that we're being very strategic with with music at the moment because like uh after host ep we realized that like you know there's no follow-up tour with it mm-hmm. so uh we are now being a little bit more strategic with because like 
what I realized is that the visual response that the the fan base and crowd wants is playing shows and seeing live and stuff. But since that's taken away, we have to find other ways to like kind of visually show people like what's what's this about. And and speaking about branding, right now is the time to actually be visual and show the brand, right? Absolutely. So we're right now we're we're trying to focus on how we can um like showcase the music with visual assets to like uh go hand in hand and make it work. So that's why I'm not like I, I still I have collaborations, I have like all these things released, but like I'm literally just collecting things in the armory until like I have to really release them. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I've I've been working on music for quite some time, like since like the pandemic started and I'm just keeping them until they're like finished. Um we have we have a really cool plan at the moment. We are we're planning uh cuz like the brand right now is all about um um cult and how host is is a cult activity and yeah. all this like entire structure going on with creating a story. Um since since I was a kid like I've always liked cinema so much but I I've been more focused on horror. Mm-hmm. Um the the older I got, uh, the more I wanted to watch horror movies. I don't know what it is, but I just liked the excitement and the scare. It was just something about it that I really liked. Um, so during this period, um, uh, I got more involved with uh, watching documentaries on on cults and like everything I was watching on Netflix was around like the movie, like the Ritual, uh, uh, Hereditary, Midsummer. Everything was that was around me was like just focused on cults. So I just I just wanted to create the host thing where like that's the name of the of, of the cult. And then um now we're trying to create a full storyline and getting actually I just got uh some of the designs in. We're getting a full comic book uh created. No fucking way. Yo, wait, I gotta interrupt this really quick because my boyfriend and I literally last night. We were looking on an independent distribution site, the 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 comic book site that released Invincible and the comic book site that released, I think it's, oh, I can't remember it. But we were literally like down the line, let's write a fucking comic book. So <laughs> to hear that, I was like, my boyfriend's going to freak the fuck out. He's going to be like, holy shit. No, but that's so dope. Okay, keep going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty much we, we just got four pages done out of the 18. So we, we're, we're still looking to have this done probably around May. And then, um, yeah, after that, like I'm trying to create a full, uh, like a composed cinema thing on it and then include like a five track song on it as well. So it could be an LP. We don't know. We just got to pitch the idea to the label and see how they feel about it. But yeah. the, the comic book and the EP are going to be aligned together. But I, I do want to create like, because like, I feel like um, cinema and film scoring is, is something that I've always had in my head to create. And, and I think this is the time for me to actually like dip my hands in it and like yeah. try to get dirty with it. But um, eventually... Once I have the five cinema like film scores, and I have the five tracks, they will go hand in hand with the comic book. That is so exciting! That is so dope! Like, yeah. oh my god, I'm That's, super excited too. I would like, be too. Because like I've never done a comic book, and I've always thought about like creating a storyline, dude. The storyline, oh my god, we we sat down for a week. Uh, Michael and I, we literally sat down, had to create like this structure of a storyline to continue two more comic books. So we we wanted to do three um, comic books. So we had to like so dis- write it in a way. We had to write the script. We had to write the comic strip as well. And it, it took a full week. And, and our designer was like over the moon because we went above and beyond. Because like I, I downloaded this app. It's hilarious. Um, it costs money, but I downloaded this called Previs Pro. And it's a it's an app to like to get your shots done, like how like a storyboard kind of thing. Like if you want to storyboard your shots, and it's just 3D images. So I had all of my comic strips and panels 
completely designed and the way I want the panels to look and the, the where the camera would be, where the pr- people will be standing, everything ready for him, all 18 pages. And I just like gave it to him. And now he's just like working on it. <laughs> That's so exciting. That's literally because I'm like huge, like I'm a huge comic person. Like so is my boyfriend. We're totally into that whole like kind of niche realm. And mm. he was literally just like, no one in EDM has ever made a comic book. And I mean, like, the snails like, did. He did. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's really awesome. He didn't promote it that like that much, but like our, I guess like the brand that I'm going for is related to story. Like everyone knows right now, most of the fans that I have, they know that there's a story behind it, but there's just no explanation to the story yet. But you this know? is going to be the explanation. Like this is yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Like we we find the the way we tried to do is that like we have to logo and then we finally showed the host icon and then now we're connecting the dots at like as how it began as a story because like it really is like for me to just create a brand storyline throughout the whole thing it, it, it's not like I, I I like cults or something I don't believe mm-hmm. in cults it's just like I just like the factor that I'm creating a story on top of the music yeah and and to have the I feel like the main thing is like how do you tie your the whole EDM fan base into the comic book. And that's by mm. having the LP and having the score and mm. having the three things really be like one unit that works together. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah. And I think, I think that that kind of like uh, puts me at a versatile spot in like the community where I, I yeah. feel like I stand out just because like there, there's artists that have a logo and a, and, and a name, but I feel like my stuff right now has a a weird meaning behind it where like Dr. Ozzy is not just the name and and a dubstep producer. There's like more, more of a, more, more of a thing to invest into and be like, I, I want to read about it. I want to, uh, I want to follow the music and, and understand the whole thing rather than just like, you know, it, there's a dubstep song that's coming out this month and that's it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I feel like from an outside point of view as well, it's like, I think of like a host cell and I think about how like in, you know, the world of medicine, how the host spreads and all that stuff. And then I think, okay, doctor, Dr. Ozzy, the host, like all (laughs) that stuff is like very interconnected. So I'm very, very stoked to like, do you know, so you said like around May is when you plan to kind of roll stuff out. Well, okay. So the way it for me uh, releases happen and I I think Michael uh, follows the way I want, I like doing things as well. Uh, the moment, like I'm, I'm, I'm pacing myself at, at at the same time as the uh, the illustrator as well. So like he's doing page one and I'm finishing something. Page two, I'm I'm almost done something. Page three, and I'm just going, I'm just going at the same pace as the uh, illustrator at the moment. Um, but uh, if if the illustrator ends up taking like this entire month to finish only ten pages, mm-hmm. then I will I will be pitching the idea to the label and then the label would be like, all right, we like the idea. Let's finish the songs. And then after that, we'll finish the last few pages, get them colored. And then after that, um, around May, we'll probably have like a good um, structure on how to market this and what, what else can we do to promote it. And then after that, we'll finally settle on a date. So maybe May or pop tentative June. Yeah. June ish. Dude, that is so exciting. I'm so happy for you because, like, that is something that, like, I feel like as, like, what we do, not only do we have such a voice, but a lot of people, like, confine themselves to, like, this little, like, pod. And they think that they can't do anything out of, like, the pod of normality that all the Mm. other DJs do and all the other producers do. And so it's, like, the more that people can take those steps and be like, hey, oh my God, I can apply my skill set to doing X, Y, and Z, the more mm-hmm. it's going to encourage other artists to do the same. And I feel like that's how we as a scene on a whole move forward. Yeah. So I don't know. That's really fucking dope. But is there any new music set to come out that you can tease to your fans and listeners? Uh Wait, tease right now? Not like tease, not like show us, but like oh, okay. <laughs> do you have anything on the books that, um, that you're looking forward to? Or is this kind of the project that you're really this this is on right this now? is this is for sure the focus right now. Because okay, like cool. I, I honestly do not want to like like take any shortcuts on this one. Cause like mm-hmm. it's pretty big because like 
the end goal is is like to get these three comic books ready and and like have a good storyline behind them to possibly make a short film. Yeah. Like that's the idea behind it because it's a horror comic book and I want to keep it horror and it would be it would be great to see it in like a full film set while my score is playing. I'll be I'll be ecstatic about that. Over the moon, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, yeah, that's the main focus, and I want to see how it goes too because the moment this this gets this gets out to people and people read the comic and also listen to the music at the same time while reading it, like we want to see what what kind of results will we have? Because that's what I'm talking about when I was talking earlier about the visually pleasing stuff that we don't have anymore because of the shows being canceled. Like now we, that's the thing that I want to show is that you have something visually to see while you listen to my music. Oh my God. And that could just like, when, when touring does come back, it's like those comic books and those those pages could translate into your new visuals. Oh, we already like, fucking like, like we we went fucking all the way. Once we were done the script, we already like imagine having this on the merch. Imagine having this on the fucking yeah. LCD screens. <laughs> That's like in my mind, as long as the consumers respond to this positively, which I'm sure they will. That's like two to three year plan of merchandise, mm-hmm. of of a potential short film, of a score, of mm-hmm. the second book, the third book. Like, oh, that's so I funny. mean, that's that's how Host started because people, like, the, the moment I released the Host EP, people were very in, uh, invested in the icon itself because that was visually pleasing. And yep. people were just like, that's, that's Dr. Ozzy. Like, that's, and it, it worked out so well that we're expanding it, like, even further right now. That's so Cool. But yeah, I remember when the cover came out, it's like you finally had that kind of icon related to yourself mm-hmm. and that image where it's like you see that you're like, oh, that's Dr. Ozzy. That's mm-hmm. him. That's him right there. But I'm very excited for all of this. I'll have to, I'm going to bug Michael and be like, yo, give me previews. Give me previews. Shoot I can over. say, I, I will send you the, the entire EP that is like unfinished. I would love to hear that. Oh my <laughs> God. But I do appreciate you coming on today. I'm really hyped that I asked you about the music because <laughs> now we got this whole back end story and I'm sure your listeners are going to be going insane yeah. over it, which is going to be like such a good reaction and it's going to translate so well into touring when everything comes back. Hopefully. Um, Cross but fingers. Yeah, no, it will. It will. Don't even <laughs> doubt that shit. Manifest. <laughs> manifest. But um, thank you. I hope you have a wonderful day. And I hope I do meet you um, in the next, hopefully, year or so. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we will. If you if you want to do uh, another one of these, I'm down. This is this is fun for me. No, this it. is awesome. Well, I like it because it's like you don't get to listen to too many artists unfiltered. And I mm-hmm. think judging an artist based on a text based platform is yeah. just so like inaccurate of how an artist wants to be heard or represented Mm -hmm. and this gives the opportunity to have people like you come on and just talk and just kind of shoot the shit and be transparent voice is important when it comes to stuff like this like Mm -hmm. podcasts streams youtube videos anything that you're doing vocally it it transfers better than text it's it's a given Oh, absolutely. But I will definitely look forward to having you on. Hopefully we'll get you on after the releases of one of these books and mm-hmm. we can do like a whole like listen through and you can tell us about it and all that shit. But I hope you have a good day. Thank you so you much too. for coming on the EXO podcast and um, I will talk to you soon. All right, man. All right. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. See ya. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the EXO Podcast. Do not forget that you can visit my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane to gain access to ad-free podcast episodes a day early, as well as the opportunity to become an EXO Patreon producer, where I give you shout outs, you can ask questions to the guests on the podcast, and much, much more. So do not forget to visit my newly launched Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week and I will see you next time.